This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Even before the pandemic, there was a constant debate over the relevance of CES. Could we cover it all remotely? How many people do we really need to send? Well, 2022 taught us there is actually value in attending the show after all. I'm Roger Chang. This is your Daily Charge. Joining me to discuss this is Sina editor Ian Scher, who, like me, has been following along with all the CES news remotely. Well, first off, how has your virtual CES been? You know, um, I think disappointing, but I want to asterisk that, right? It It's not disappointing because... I did not enjoy the various stuff that was announced. In fact, I always, you know, it kind of tickles my my nerd itch or whatever you want to call it uh, to go through this because it's really fun to see all this stuff. I mean, this is when we get to like, you know, this is really Christmas, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. you get to see all of these new ideas. Some of this stuff is wacky out there, right? Like the the BMW car that changes color with e-ink. Yeah. Like, that's nifty. Um, so there's a lot of that. But what was disappointing really was the fact that I didn't get to see it, right? Like, um, I, I think that over the last week and really the last two years, I've gone through a little bit of an emotional journey realizing that what these conferences offer in terms of being there in person is actually really a lot more valuable than a lot of people, I think, really take uh, realize and they take for granted. And so uh, that's why I ended up deciding to write about it. Yeah, and I'm curious, like, what what were some of those conclusions? Like, why why, why do you think it's so valuable to attend the show beyond you know, the obvious reason of being able to actually touch and feel these things? I mean, there. What, what yeah, are some and of the other? By issues? the way. I can't undersell the touch and feel thing, right? Like uh, one of the analysts I spoke to talked about how he saw um, BMW had this like 30 some odd inch screen built into a car back seat, And he thought it was one of the dumbest things he'd ever heard of. And it had 4D audio. And he's like, wow, your marketing people have gotten out of control. But then he sat in it and watched something in it. And he's like, this is cool. I want one. So there is definitely something to feeling and touching. But on top of that, one of the things that I really realized as I was going through this was that there are a lot of companies that have popped up over the years that got really a big start or a launch pad at CES. And I'm not talking about, you know, RIM and the BlackBerry or all of those types of like those people are going to do OK regardless. Well, not anymore, but they were doing OK. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's most it's really these companies that kind of ride on the tail co- uh, the coattails. Right. And they end up kind of just surprising everyone in the corner about what they do. I, I think of stuff like, for example, Oculus, a number of people point it out to me when I when I talked to them about this idea, they said to me, look, you know, 
Oculus was around for two years. They they were first showed up at E3, the video game conference in the summer in 2012. But 2014 during CES is when they really had a coming out party and they had a big booth. Everyone was talking about them. They were in the center stage. Everyone was getting uh, to, to look at it. And it really bought, built up a ton of buzz. And wouldn't you know, a couple of months later, Facebook bought them for more than $2 billion. So that's one example. There's also Impossible Meat, which I, I knew about, but I didn't fully know the story. Apparently, uh, as the story goes, they met with Burger King while at CES. And that was actually when they agreed during that, you know, during that first meeting that they were going to work together. And that created essentially Impossible Meat as it is today. So there's definitely, uh, you know, stuff that happens at CES that is more than just the cars and the TVs and the washing machines. And I think a lot of us, it, you know, don't realize that because it's just part of the ether of while you're there. But it's actually pretty important. No, that's a good point. I mean, especially as, as reporters, we tend to focus on the big flashy things, the announcements. But there's definitely this the, the idea of uh, the sort of stealth CS where, where folks are having these meetings behind closed doors where a lot of the deals for the year get struck. And it, unclear to me whether or not a lot of those deals, a lot of those meetings were happening this time around given you know the lower attendance level. But Obviously, that's that's a big, big part of this show as well as conferences in general. Uh, I, I'm curious from you know covering the show this year and from seeing what you saw, if you I guess learned anything new um, about this and and whether it's you know just the fact that you wanted to be there in person despite years of all of us <laughs> complaining about going to CES. Right. Uh, anything new? Any other new takeaways there? You know, I think. I mean, certainly <laughs> getting to spend the holidays with my kids and not having to be anxious about going to Vegas was definitely a, a gift that I appreciated. But at the at the same time, I think that, you know, I've always jumped at the opportunity to go to Vegas and I am not a Vegas person, right? I, I just, I'm not a heavy drinker. I do not like partying. Very little about Vegas is interesting to me at all. But I really love those opportunities to meet with people. And I, I think it just really resonated for me a lot more why that was important. And I had been on every side of the debate about whether CES was still relevant, whether it had a future, what was going to happen to it. And I, I think this last couple of years, we really learned a lot. And I would point out the the uh, Consumer Tech Association who puts on CES has also learned a lot, right? They did a fully virtual one last year. They tried to reproduce it, a normal CES that way. And they had these long keynotes and, you know, it was all this stuff. They had a ton of live events and they realized that people didn't like that. Looking at the at the data, they found, you know, just like the normal TV world found that people tend to drop off after 20 minutes. And so they actually shortened a lot of the keynotes this year. I don't know if you remember, but, you know, on Slack, we had seen that would would suddenly talk about, wow, that was short. Well, it was actually by design. And as a result, it felt like it was a pretty like consistent, controlled version of CES that, that worked okay, right? It still missed that really important part of it that I was talking about in today's story. But there's this you know, it definitely felt like CES has figured out how to meld the virtual and real worlds in a way that is actually incredibly tough. Right, right. Uh, and just pulling back the curtain a bit on how we cover this, these conferences, you know, oftentimes we get a lot of this information at a time. We get pre-briefs. Uh, and in some cases, companies like Lenovo actually showed up 
uh, to our our local areas, like in New York, with actual devices. I'm curious if any of that sort of negates the need to actually show up to CES. If, if you think that that is something that more companies will take advantage of, given that you know some of these companies have already kind of branched out to do their own thing. You know, it's interesting. I, I've thought about that about E3 as well, because, um, you know, E3 is largely, the video game conference is largely trailers. Right? You can just mm -hmm. put a trailer yeah. on YouTube. Who cares? Why spend all the money to, to build a multi-million dollar set in the middle of uh, Los Angeles, of all places? But the thing that I've learned is that, you know, yeah, it's when when you're the world's largest tech news site, people are going to come to you in New York, right? But if you are not, right, the rest of the world, it's actually these companies, the travel budget to see all of the people they would see at CES is insane, right? That's part of why they really see the value to this stuff as well, even though you might think, well, Samsung can pull together a conference anytime they want. But still, they've got... You know, even with this CES, was was estimated to have less than half as many people as a normal one, right? So we're looking at somewhere less uh, than 70,000 people. That is still way more than the 10 people they would have met if they met at CNET, right, for the day? So that's, right, that's right. kind of, you know, I know it sounds weird, right? But in a lot of ways... This this idea of pulling everyone together really does seem to work. It's got its problems. Do not question. Like I have a lot of criticism about these conferences and have had a lot of criticism over the years. But I think that also there's something that we lost by not having it the same way this year. Right. And given the way CS kind of did it, did things, especially towards the latter half or or towards the end, where they kind of had to really go in, all in on, on this hybrid model and really make sure everything virtual was comparable to in-person, given all the, the folks pulling out. What do you think that means, or how does that signal, or what does that signal for future shows? Because we've got these conferences coming up. Uh, I know E3 is scrapping their in-person event. Uh, RSA has pushed back there. The security conference has pushed back their show. It was supposed to be next month. And then we've got Mobile World Congress, the big wireless trade show coming up in Barcelona at the end of next month. Still don't know what that's going to be like. Yeah. What what what? I guess what takeaways from this show do you think other conferences going forward can can kind of learn from and adapt? Well, I have to credit the CTA. Uh, they they put a pretty strong foot down about health protocols, and that's why a lot of people were considering to go before Omicron really started scaring a lot of us, right? Uh, you know, the CTA said you had to be fully vaccinated. Uh, they required that if you were traveling internationally that you had a test within a day of traveling that was negative. They required everyone to wear masks. They actually handed out in-home tests when you got your badge, which I thought was really smart. And they had PCR testing on site. And so, I mean, that's a lot of money they spent, right? That is not cheap to do at all. And I think that the reality is that they've they've found a way that in the middle of this mess of, you know, and <laughs> the craziness that we're all living through, they've found a way to be able to do a hybrid model that made a lot of people feel a lot more comfortable until Omicron came along. And I think that that's notable. And if we if this does become more of an endemic, right, and we deal with, you know, COVID-19 being a part of our lives for many years forward, I think that at least this is a way forward that, okay, well, health protocols that make sense and that 
up to 75,000 people agreed on. That's pretty good, right? And being able to pull off even a digital presentation that, you know, I, I enjoyed a lot of the press conferences I watched. And by the end of a lot of them, usually I'm kind of like, all right, time to go, you know? And so I think that that's pretty good too. Like they've learned how to make these things a lot more compelling as well. So in the end, I think ultimately we've found something that the world was going digital anyway. And uh, a lot of companies have been doing a lot more digital presentations. And now we're learning how to do both a lot better. And that's that's going to be great going forward. Definitely. Well, uh, Ian, thanks for your time. Uh, it's been a long week covering this virtual CES. I'm, I'm for one, I'm glad it's over. Uh, but you can check out Ian's story on what we lost with this virtual CES on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at the Daily Charge, or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co/slash/DailyCharge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For the Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>